0: Welcome to Just Punk Enough. I am your host, Andy Harrison. This is KMVC 95.1 FM Carson City. What is up, Carson? Warm weather, but wind. I'll take it, man. Thanks for joining me tonight. Punk rock at its finest in Carson City. We've got an interview tonight. My homie Dylan Wade. I uh, I really enjoy talking to this guy. Let's just get that out of the way. He is one of the favorites that I've met playing music. Always a class act. Always a nice guy. Always ready to talk. Uh, He was in the Bomb Pops. He played with Nothington on a tour. He's in Urethane right now with uh, Steve Caballero and a couple other dudes that have been in the scene for a while. And uh, I just wanted to talk to him, man. I haven't seen him in quite a while. So... Without further ado, let's listen to an interview that went kind of long, I'm going to warn you, with Dylan Wade. Let's start uh, where you grew up. Where did you grow up?
1: Um, I grew up in North County, San Diego, in a town called Carlsbad. I moved there when I was about eight years old from Colorado and kind of stayed in San Diego for most of my life past that.
0: Yeah when did you uh start getting into music
1: um music's always been a part of my life like you know we would do um weekend cleanup like chore days my, my parents would always have music playing and, and have people over and there's always music playing but um i got into playing music physically playing music when i was about 10 years old
0: yeah and what what was that I got,
1: um well so i had my whole family was somewhat musically inclined and my mom played guitar and my dad played guitar and brother played guitar. And, you know, I wanted to be the cool different one. So I was in fifth grade and asked for a drum set and got a drum set for Christmas yeah, and started just jamming from there and just playing as much as I could. And I had a drum teacher that would come by the house and like once a week we'd have some lessons. And
0: so it kind of started rolling when I was about 10 years old, fifth grade, nice do you remember um when you were first exposed to like what bands you were first exposed to where you were like oh wow this is uh this hits me do you remember anything Um, specifically you know i remember one year for my
1: birthday they used to sell these cds at costco that were like hard rock cafe compilations yeah and i i got i got two of them for my birthday i had to have been right around the same age like 10 10 11 years old yeah. and there was one that was like an 80s pop one and there's one that was more classic rock my dad always liked classic rock and listen to stuff like that his favorite band was like van halen and yeah so songs like um steppenwolf's like born to be wild and stuff like that were big ones to me that were like the first ones that were like cool but first bands that like really did it i had a i had a neighbor who was like five or six years older years older than i was yeah and he would always listen to punk he always had punk cds laying around no effects albums and pennywise and stuff like that yeah i remember borrowing pennywise's full circle from him right and playing it in my bedroom and having my drum teacher come up and go oh do you want to do you want to <laughs> learn how to play that <laughs> I was like, yeah, I do. Yeah, like totally. I'm totally into this. And so that was like the catalyst to a lot of like the punk rock stuff. And, you know, of course, at the time being younger, a lot of what I listened to was radio or like MTV driven. Like yeah. I'm a, I'm a kid of of TRL and that whole thing. Yeah. So like, you know, the whole new metal thing was was big for me. L- Limp Bizkit and John Otto and yeah. um, David Silva and Korn and stuff like that, because that's what I saw all the time. So it was like this weird mix of like, you know, at the time it was the coolest music to me, but like crappy new metal and skate punk kind of stuff.
0: Do you remember like seeing any bands? What was your first punk show or what was your first concert period of seeing live music? My first concert,
1: you know, you'd have the random little like jazz in the park, like yeah. kind of things like that. But my first legitimate concert that I went to was a pop disaster tour with, um, Blink and Green Day and Jimmy World. Oh, okay. That's cool. Um, so that that was like my first real big kid kind of like go to see a show and So that was fun. The first general admission show I ever went to was a social distortion show at um, this venue called Soma in San Diego. I went with a guy that was a huge social distortion fan. So we got there like hours early and waited in line (laughs) and got up front and stood against the gate the whole time. And like that did it for me. That... You know the Blink show was rad. I yeah. was into Blink and into Green Day and all that stuff when I was a kid. But yeah. that was at the time when it was cool to think Blink was was wasn't cool. Yeah. You know, so you go and you see Blink and Green Day, and it's like, oh, Green Day was rad. Green Day killed it. And you see Blink, and you're just like, I, I don't know if you ever saw Blink at their like their height, but yeah, I did. They weren't great live. Yeah. You know, they were they were more about the the dick and fart yeah, jokes than anything totally. else and yeah. so seeing green day that night was like oh my god that was revolutionary yeah. but then seeing social d that close to yeah. me was just like oh this is this is what i want to do like yeah. this is the kind of music that i want to play these are the kind of shows that i want to be at. i was totally into the album with uh ball and chain story of my yeah. life stuff like yeah. that and that was the one that really got me into them and um so at the time, like I said, I had a buddy who who just was totally into it and we had a ride. you know, I was in eighth grade. Yeah, we had a ride to this show, so it was like, cool, we can go and we don't have to hang out with our parents. Yeah, when we go do this. So that's what made it so rad. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I had the same experience, man. Social D was one of my first concerts, but that was when it was like white light, white heat and uh, Chuck Biscuits was in the band, and I was a big biscuits fan just because he was such a crazy drummer, you know, so yeah, yeah, it was awesome. So when you saw Blink, did, was uh, Travis uh, drumming with them? Do you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, Travis was drumming with them. And, and did you take um, note
0: of that, or were you just like, eh, whatever?
1: You know, Travis has always been a, a big influence to me, just because at the time of how much Blink was. You know, being from San Diego, Blink is like the hometown band. Yeah. I remember when I when I moved here. Dude Ranch was on the radio, and yeah. that was first breaking. And you were hearing "Damn It" mm-hmm. on the radio and stuff like that. Yeah. And then I remember seeing like "What's My Age Again" on TRL, and like, oh, I remember the name of this band when I was really young, and now I'm seeing this every single day, and I'm seeing the song climb up yeah. to number one on yeah. TRL. And so with with Travis, you know, again, it was kind of at the time where Blink was massive, mm-hmm. and you're in school to a point where it's like it was almost not cool to like blink yeah. at the time and so i with my friends at home and the band that i play in and stuff like that we would we would go from watching the blink documentaries the urethra chronicle stuff and watching the live videos from that straight into playing music because it totally got us amped and going yeah. to see travis and he did a drum solo where he did like the whole tommy lee thing with the platform rose up and flipped in circles and flipped on its head and like it was totally rad yeah
0: Yeah. so
1: yeah yeah, definitely definitely made a mark yeah definitely left left an impression on me
0: yeah i remember when it was uh, uncool to like blink but i was like dude, i can't help it man it's it's what it is i love them (laughs) you know and the thing is it's like i've got the blink bunny
1: tattooed on me yeah the original blink (laughs) bunny tattooed on me like i can't take away from how much that band influenced and drove my my taste in music when i was young and you know that i really 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 clung to um dude ranch and enema the state and take off your pants and jacket and those three albums were just integral in my in my coming up i remember i remember buying take off your pants and jacket um when i was in sixth grade and buying it the day it came out at hot topic yeah and just being so stoked about That's it crazy. and my buddy getting one version of it and me getting another version and trading the two so we could rip them onto our, our um onto our computers and yeah. having all the hidden tracks run and stuff yeah. like that but
0: <laughs> yeah i, I
1: uh... mean it's even still like i go like I'm still listening to all the Blink stuff that comes out, you know, yeah. I'm kind of cherry picking through the things that I like a little bit more now yeah. on their albums, but yeah. I, I still give it a full listen to and yeah. still love it. Yeah. <laughs> Can't help it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was into Cheshire Cat. That was kind of my high school. So I'm, a, I'm older than you, but that's kind of when I was like, okay. And then damn it. I was right out of high school, but I just love the way, like I, I didn't think they were a typical pop punk band. You know, what I mean, like the way that the bass and the guitar came together was just very intertwining, and the singing—it was just like, I don't know, it was, it was, it was different for me personally. And it I was totally different, it.
1: and it was, it was something in the sense of where, like, you had this driving punk beat that just went and went yeah. and went there wasn't a lot of break there wasn't a lot of halftime yeah. playing on it it was just like all right let's go in and jam and like then to see travis playing on those dude ranch songs and like watching travis there was a video of the big day out like australia festival yeah and they played pathetic and watching travis play that and how fast he was around the kit is was yeah. like oh that's what i want to do right and like <laughs> I, you know i started a band in high school with uh-huh. with friends of mine where i ended up playing bass instead of drums and yeah. like all we did was like that blink 182 style like pop punk yeah. like that and old mxpx stuff like that where yeah. it was just really fast yeah. really 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 fast with very little aggression to it because yeah. you know we're we're all privileged white suburban kids that have really nothing to complain or f- worry about or fight against right. and you know so it just kind of fell into that fun southern california oh it's sunny out 95 percent of the year and we're just here to make far jokes and yeah. <laughs> be cool to girls
0: yeah, <laughs> <totally>. <laughs> so what was your your first band was that in high school when you played bass that you were just talking about or was it something before that um
1: so i it was a band we we ripped off uh voodoo the voodoo glow skulls yeah. album uh band geek mafia yeah and so we were like oh we're gonna be geek mafia and it was (laughs) it was about sixth grade sixth seventh grade i had a buddy that at the time learned how to play guitar and you can call it a band i mean it was just us jamming in my garage and our shows were oh dad's having a birthday party and and so we'll just set up in the backyard and play for my dad's birthday party and (laughs) stuff like that so that was that was the first band, and and that that went through junior high and into early high school, yeah. and we would do like the battle of bands at the high school and stuff like that. But it was all sort of like you know, like I mentioned, the guitarist and I growing up loved Limp Bizkit and Corn, yeah, and then on the other side of it, we loved listening to Green Day and Blink and yeah. Sum Forty One and stuff like that. So right. it was a it was a weird mix of little bit more aggressive pop punk that had that new metal kind of like influence on it so that was that and then um i ended up joining a band or starting a band with some older kids that um played psychobilly and so we ended up playing psychobilly stuff and we Uh were called the cemetery swingers and okay that was that was like the first turning point of playing a lot more music that wasn't my normal oh i'm just gonna go play blink-182 stuff and yeah so we we did that pretty heavily and
0: and you were that drum, kind you of were drumming for that
1: yeah i was yeah. drumming for that i only had one i only had one stint into other instruments oh, you know I, I passively play guitar and passively yeah. play bass you know yeah i can muddle through something if i'm playing bar chords and yeah. stuff like that but if if you ask me to play any sort of chord yeah you know, give me 10 minutes. I'll look it up and I'll figure it out. But I I couldn't, I couldn't just do it off of memory. So the, the thing that came from playing bass in this band is I had left the first band to play in the, the Psychabilly band. And the first band got this drummer that was awesome and they needed a bass like, Oh, I could play. Sure. Whatever. Like, well, I'll just borrow a bass and we'll just do this. And it was just that, just us being idiots and playing stupid stuff. And like, just having fun we were emulating blink as much as we could like yeah. blink and no effects like one of the first punk albums i got was i heard they suck live yeah. so you know it was just emulating that kind of idiocy yeah we would talk for five minutes in between a song and play seven song sets because we had talked through everything and our songs were minute and a half tops two minutes
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so um in the Psychobilly billy band did you guys were you guys playing playing out and playing shows
1: Yeah. And that, that, so that, that band was the first band where I started playing like show shows. Yeah. So, you know, it's like my parents would take me to the bar that we were going to play at, and it'd be some biker bar out in like East County, San Diego. And the, back door would be the stage door basically so take you straight out to the parking lot and it's like all right well you're 14 so load in and play and then load out and that was you know if you're gonna go to the bathroom whatever like you have to have a parent escort you kind of thing so yeah so you know that was the kind of thing but we were we were all in high school it wasn't just it wasn't just me on that like so the whole band was you know chauffeured down by the dadager momager kind of thing and they would hang out and wait for us to play and drive us back home on a Saturday night yeah. in high school and kind of thing. And so, yeah, we started playing more shows that way. And, um, you yeah, know, it's crazy to talk about it. Cause it all happened relatively quick yeah. because I was about 16 then. And then that band just by the idea of being a high school band kind of fizzled yeah. and, pretty much all of the members including myself all moved to hollywood to go to musicians institute okay so we stopped playing as a band together but we all saw each other at school all gotcha. the time and we'd all do like a lot of these like intermingled like live playing things with yeah. each other through this school but uh-huh. we weren't the cemetery swingers anymore
0: right so you were at music school after high school
1: yeah so i left high school when i was 16 okay um, so I tested out of high school and California does this thing where it's basically like the exit exam, but it allows people who are under 18 to essentially get a GED. Yeah. It carries the weight of a high school diploma, but you could do it when you're 16. Okay. So I, my mom was like, you know what? I was, wasn't doing well in school. I didn't care. You know, it's like at the time I was just being a 16 year old and i had the opportunity so yeah i tested out high school yeah and then moved to hollywood when i was um 17. so moved out pretty quick quickly from there
0: and so you were going to up there. you were going to music school to study drumming
1: yeah I, so i did drumming and music business okay. so i've got a, a dual degree from musicians institute oh, in percussion cool. and music business wow
0: So when you were there, were you just knee-deep in school, or were you doing bands and stuff? Uh,
1: Knee-deep in school. You know, I would come
0: back and,
1: like, was friends with teachers from high school, so it's still, like, and all my friends were still in high school at the time. Like, technically, I should have been two by my age, so, like... I would come back and play the battle of bands with my band, yeah. you know, even though we knew we couldn't win. Cause I technically wasn't a student at right. that school, but it was like, I, I would go back just to play with that. But other than that, no, like entrenched in school, you yeah. know, it was, I would, I'd wake up at 5:30 and be in my little drum closet at 6:30 from six 30 to 10 practicing wow. and then in class all day and then like the school had these little like live plant they call them live playing workshops where you play a different genre of music and you'd learn say it's a hard rock so yeah. you'd go learn a rage against machine song and uh-huh. come together with all the other focuses you know a bassist and a guitarist and a singer and everybody would just learn the song on their own and then play and yeah. so that's what my life revolved around it was eat sleep breathe music wow. and drums and being around music and wow. I was in Hollywood under 21, yeah. so I couldn't go out and go drink or yeah. go and do those things. Like, I couldn't enjoy being a, an adult then because I was still, you know, there's in that weird period between that. So, yeah. if I wasn't practicing music, I was back home in San Diego hanging out with my friends over the weekend, right. was jamming there, and goofing off playing was, music then.
0: Was there anybody of significance going to school at the same time you were? Like,
1: um, yeah, I my graduating class, uh Anderson Pock was in my graduating class and oh, we were that we is. were he's a big R and B singer, okay. like rap hip hop guy that's okay. recently just blown up. But yeah. we were in the same graduating class for that. And um uh one of the drummers it's like I don't know if he still is, but at the time he got the gig with Mariah Carey, oh, like okay. playing drums with Mariah Carey, and oh. one another guy in my graduating class is Played drums for Selena Gomez and the Hollywood undead and stuff like that. So like guys in those classes made moves that way. Yeah. They definitely went to school with some influential people. That Anderson Pott guy, like seeing him break is insane. Like watching him come up and like, Oh yeah. Dr. Dre produced his album and signed him. And it was like, he was the first guy he signed after Eminem. Yeah. And it's like, Oh wow. I know that guy wow we, i had class with him i watched him just be this monster of a drummer then so it was yeah. like it's clear that he had the chops to do it but to see it happen and come to fu- yeah. fruition it's like seeing him on the grammys with bruno mars performing and having yeah. this huge song with him it's like oh that's crazy Gosh. to have rubbed elbows with somebody yeah. like that that's cool. to say oh i knew that guy went you yeah. know
0: yeah i mean i would imagine a music school in hollywood i mean the Epicenter of all music, pretty much. You know, things would, you know, famous people would be going to that school for sure. I took drum lessons from Alice Cooper's drummer.
1: Oh, cool! You know, like you you end up being in involved with these people that are in like they've entrenched their lives with this stuff. You know, it's um uh, the the people that I was able to learn from is 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 wild. You know, you get these you get. The, these clinics by Terry Bozio and Kenny Arnoff and anybody and anybody that's a major drummer, you know, Joey Castillo, yeah. we got to see him doing a, a, a little like talk and peer playthrough, And it's, it's just kind of that's the realm that that is, that, yeah. that school is a more. And to me it's a more modern contemporary version of berkeley where you know you've got yeah. these kids at berkeley that are just like some like absolute geniuses at music yeah. and they're going to go to a place that you may never know who these people are but they're absolute geniuses right. where i feel like musicians institute is more of a line to oh you want to be a gigging musician you want to you know you want to play out every single night of the week like cool we'll get you to that place where you can just learn on the fly yeah um a, you know a sheet of music and be able to sight read it the best you can and make little roadmaps and stuff like that yeah. And then we'll give you some opportunity I, I tried out for the offspring when I was <laughs> going to that school, you know The offspring no came through looking for a drummer and wow. like obviously didn't go anywhere or make it very far in right. that process But it's like that was given to you like the the yeah. At the time the keyboardist that ended up playing for nine-inch nails came from MI Because the same thing they just go through there with like a talent agency and can yeah, Oh hey, we've got a entire pool of musicians
0: here. Let's see what they've yeah. got. Man, that's crazy. Did you enjoy yourself at that school? I mean, were you like, Oh yeah, this is this is what I'm loving? Or was it just kind of like I don't know, man? Love it. Yeah. Like, you know, and
1: the when music started happening for me and started working, it was like one hundred percent this is what I want to do. Oh, gotcha. No question. Yeah. You know, there's, there was never a point to me where there was any like question. Yeah. It's, it was always, what can I, like my, my day jobs have always been like, what can I do or where can I make enough money and have enough paid time off to be able to do this until this starts paying me. So it was just one of those things that for me, I'm still leaning on the experience that I've got from that in, in my day-to-day playing to be. To, to have put me where i was yeah. and you know it's yeah a hundred percent it's always been just like there may have been a grind of like oh man this one particular thing that i have to learn is difficult but yeah. That was it. And, you know, it it really shaped the way how I handled things moving forward because it wasn't a normal like high school thing. Oh, I'd stay up all night and write a paper. I'll be good. Like yeah. I couldn't do that with, right. with drums. I right. couldn't just like, oh, I'm going to cram the night before and yeah. be good enough to go and take this test or to do this performance. Right. Well, it was like. Oh, I'm going to cram, and I'm going to look terrible, yeah. and I'm going to play terrible, and I'm not going to be able to represent myself in a way that's that's respectful to the rest of the musicians. So, yeah. it really ingrained this this work ethic of well, if you want to do this, here's how you get here. Here's the roadmap of yeah. how long it's going to take you to learn these things, and and you know if you're going to do a gig in two days, how much time are you going to have to put in? to get proficient enough to at least make it look like you know what you're doing
0: there man that is awesome i always wanted to go to music school but i went to art school instead
1: (laughs) you know it's it's something that like was really cool because there was the whole gamut that you know there's kids like me like 17 18 years old that were there and there was also dudes that were in their 60s who have retired and it's like oh cool and i'm gonna go back and really focus on my jazz guitar playing kind of thing so there was a ton of different people there and it's, it's something that I've, I've toyed with because the school like was laid out in like levels. You'd be in level one percussion and then level two and then level three. And like they had these programs and where you could do two levels of one focus and then, branch off and go do something else. And I thought, Hey, it'd be really smart of me to go do music business and learn about the music business, because this is something I want to do. In hindsight, you know, learning about MySpace marketing and things like that was good in theory at the time, but you know, what good is that doing me now? It's like, okay, cool. I learned how to market online. But the biggest thing that I took away from that is my, I worked at a booking agency. Yeah. And interned at a booking agency for that and booked Teenage Bottle Rocket yeah. in their all, I would I wouldn't even say infancy it was right at the time between Total and Warning Device. Wow. I remember when Warning Device came out and getting that album and having it weeks before they were even gonna release it yeah. and working on this tour that this that booking agent basically said, Here's where our route is, you go send the emails and go book it kind yeah. of thing. So it, that that meant more and gave me more applicable experience yeah. to what yeah. I what I'm still doing yeah. than than anything else in that music business portion of yeah. it. Yeah. you know, I me, I made good relationships with people through that music business portion of it, but the actual content from what I learned there, in one year out one out, out yeah. the other kind of thing. Yeah.
0: So when you finished music school, uh, did you start uh, a band or what? What happened after you graduated? um so i
1: have been friends with jen from the bomb pops for a long time uh-huh. since i was like a freshman in high school and um so we were fr- we always still you know touched base when i would come back home from from hollywood yeah. and so she and i were hanging out I was under 21. She was 21. She'd be able to buy me beer and stuff like that. Right. So we were like hanging out a parking lot after she bought me and my friends a couple 40s. Yeah. She's like, Hey, so Polly and I started this band and we need a bass guitarist. Cause I had mentioned like I, I was in that pop punk band yeah. playing bass. I'm yeah. like, would you want to come and practice with us and see if it's something you're into? And this was pretty close. Like when I finished school, I moved back home and yeah. moved back in with my mom and, So it was like, hey, yeah, let's give this a shot. No problem. And so I went and jammed with them the first time, and they they had this, Polly was still in high school. I think Polly was like 16 at the time. Uh And she had another girl from her high school that was her age playing drums. And I played bass, and it was easy punk stuff, just picking up root notes and stuff like that. And we left, and I was sitting with Jen in her car, and I was like, i just finished school for drums yeah <laughs> like why are we why are we playing with this and you know to, to the the other girl's credit you know she was doing what she could but yeah. i had just finished school for drums like yeah. let me do this <laughs> yeah. so we we found another bassist really quick and started jamming with me on drums and like a week later we played Polly's high school battle of bands and won yeah. like second place wow. Wow. straight out of MI was was the bomb box oh. almost fifteen years ago at this point. So Jeez. that's that's where that started from and that started rolling.
0: That's cool. So you are on um, did you, you recorded with them, right? You were you're on a couple of EPs.
1: Yeah, yeah. The the if you look at their discography on Spotify, I'm the drummer on the first two EPs that they released.
0: Okay. So when you guys um, were you guys did you guys tour? Were you were you playing bigger shows? I mean, was this like okay? We're we're all we're all in on the bomb pops here, or was it just kind of um, still? Just...
1: It took a little while to start touring. Yeah. Um, you know, again, kids in high school like yeah. how long, How much of our are your parents gonna let you run yeah. and go? But we were playing on anything and everything. Yeah. And, um. We had this. We had a local bar that would throw all ages shows that Jen was um, kind of working at and helping book. Shows there, and anytime a rad band would come through, she put us on as the opener. Yeah, it's like Angry Samoans. I remember we played with Angry Samoans a ton yeah. through that through that little little venue. But we play with whatever band we could from there, and started just like really playing and playing and playing. And you know, <laughs> the rest of the band was under 21. We would sit in the van in the parking lot waiting for Jen to come out because she was the only one who was 21. She'd yeah. get all the drink tickets and, Jeez. you know, get to take advantage to hang out where we would, uh, you know, same deal as as it had been for years. You'd play and take your stuff out when you're done and yeah. sit outside and wait for somebody to come out and hang yeah. out with you if you yeah. wanted. So yeah. yeah, we started playing a lot. And then, um, she's we start, we would do like little, weekend tours or like week long tours up the coast and we go to San Francisco and come back and that kind of thing. And nothing major. I mean, nothing too big for a little while. Yeah. Um, but you know, it it eventually started rolling that way. We, we all had a mutual friend who had grown up with guys like fat Mike and Eric Melvin Uh and, um, Jack Grisham from, um, TSOL TSOL. and things like that. So, Started getting us kind of hooked up with that, and so once we got hooked up with that, we started, you know, we would play. He would put in a good word for us, and we'd play on the San Diego, like a San Diego show of a, you know, a bad religion yep. would come through, or TSOL would play in the area, and we'd get the opening gig on that, yeah. or No Effects would come through, and we'd we'd get a show or two here and there with it. And, you know, to Jen's credit, she was she was really really good about keeping in touch with people and, and yeah. kind of pushing on on that like hey we're still here like hey hey yeah. hey so like we had the door opened for us by some some really cool people yeah. in, in our world right that kind of laid the laid the foundation for us to start to do that kind of stuff and so like I remember we did I, we got on fest one year and so that was like our first big tour experience like okay cool we're, we're on fest we're gonna go tour out to fest and play that and then we're gonna come back and you know it was it was a really quick learning curve you know it's really tough to tour and it's really tough to tour when you're young and everybody's figuring it out and nobody knows what to
0: expect yeah no kidding
1: you know you're not even living on per diem at that point you're living on whatever money you happen to have saved up right and it's like you're just going for the sake of going so that was that was you know tough it was it was really really difficult to do those things and and to get along with each other and learn how to do that. And it took a lot. It took a lot for us to really kind of get through that. And I mean, that first major tour for us was so strenuous. We lost our bassist halfway through him. He flew home. We flew a bassist out in the middle of it to finish the tour with us. Wow. I ended up flying home from Florida and quitting the band for a couple, like a month or two after that. You know, things were just tumultuous because of, we're young and we've had you have this idea of this like grandiose idea of touring and then you go and play to four people in the middle of texas at a bar where people can still smoke cigarettes and things like that and it's just like oh this is not what i was expecting And this peanut butter and jelly that i ate eight hours ago is still not holding me over what no no kidding i'm hungry and cranky (laughs) (laughs) to the bomb credit it was just the fact that we jumped on anything we could and just played as much as we possibly could But it was bands like there was a band by the name of the get down Mm -hmm. and the members of the get down are all in bands now that have made names for themselves the guitarist or the bassist of the get down is now um the guitarist in red city radio okay and the drummer and guitarist in get down play in a band called pissed regardless Mm -hmm. who are on um creator destructor now like a thrash metal band so you know they all they've all moved on and and done their things that way but Bomb pops were just doing their thing. I, could, I dude, I couldn't even tell you. That's couldn't even good. tell you past the get down. It's the get good. down were our homies. Yeah. They were our buddies, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. We tried to get them on every show that we were on and vice versa. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, okay. So what happened after bomb pops? What what did you uh, what'd you start doing?
1: Um, so bomb pops was a while. Bomb pops, you know, took up a good amount of time. I yeah. would say probably about four or five years yeah. of of heavy working and um you know, I would say probably eight ish, not eight, nine years ago at this point, everyone was starting to relocate to Hollywood. Uh, so Polly had met her now husband, Mike, mm-hmm. and um, she was out of school and she moved up to Hollywood to be closer to him. And Jen moved up there. Our basis at the time, or who's still their basis, Neil, um, lived up in Hollywood, so i one by one everybody was starting to move yeah. move up there and i lived and then i moved further south so i moved even further away so yeah. we were kind of splitting this time between jamming in downtown la or jamming at my house in san diego yeah. and it was tough you know yeah. it's it was tough and at the time i wasn't mature enough to be able to kind of like talk through my feelings and frustrations to really get to a good place of understanding between everybody. And it drove a wedge between myself and the rest of the band, you know, to, to my fault, like really looking back on it, it's like, Oh man, I was a nightmare to deal with. I was that person in the band that was just an absolute wet blanket. And so, um, you know, just proximity wise at the time, it was just like, this isn't working. You know, they, they, Jen called me and was like, uh, you know, we're looking to really ramp up what we're doing and we don't see you making the drive two, three times a week to come and do this. And we've got this guy, Josh, who's their drummer now. That's, that's told us he'd like to play. So I think we're going to, I think we're going to pursue that. And it was, you know, I was, I was bummed at the time, but you know, it was also kind of a relief for me because it was like, Oh cool. Now I don't have this on my plate. So right after that, um, I joined up for a couple tours with Nothington okay. a band out of um San Francisco. Yeah. And that that was because of mutual friendships with that band the Get Down that I mentioned before. Okay. Um Ryan uh who, who's in Red City Radio now plays bass in Nothington. Okay. And is he the one with the they were... the hardcore band
0: now too? Should What's up? Is he the one with that hardcore band now too? Uh, what the hell were they called? I know one of the guys from Nothington, who's in Red City Radio, is also just came out with a hardcore album like two, three years ago, but I can't remember the damn name of it. My Chris
1: Matulich, yeah. um, the guitarist and singer of Nothington, and started something with, I want to say Tony and Luke, who played drum and guitar and um, swinging utters. And then one other dude started something called sciatic
0: nerve. Yeah. That's and it's the in, one. like a hardcore yeah, thing. That's the one. Sciatic um
1: nerve. yeah. So Chris sings in that and the gotcha. dude, they're so rad. Like, oh yeah. my god, they're rad. They, yeah. like that is like to me, that's the hardcore that's like yeah. the best. Me too. So yeah, they started that a little bit later on, yeah. but um, you know, it's you, you tour, you meet all these friends. So at the time, like when Bomb Pops were really starting to tour, like bands like Elway and um, Menzingers and things yeah. like that were really coming up. And the singer um, from Elway was playing drums on a tour with Nothington, and they were on a conversation about this and that.
2: Yeah.
1: And he'd mentioned, oh, yeah, Dylan's a cool guy. I stayed with him when, when Elway came through. And then it came up like, oh, well, Dylan doesn't have a band now. So then the phone call came through like, hey, we've got they had two tours lined up, like a full U.S. tour and then a European tour that would yeah. end at Fest. They're like, hey, do you want to do this? It's like, yeah, no problem. Duff. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so um, learned all the songs, like learned the set list. They sent me sent me a handful of CDs. What year was it? like learn the set list? This had to have been.
0: They, I I mean, they were around was about... for a while, right before you. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. This is at this point, Nothington was on their third full-length okay. album release. Like they, they had they yeah. had built themselves a, a good following, and Dude, I, you I, know, haven't... I was just plugging. I was being a hired gun at the time. I had <laughs> no
0: idea you were in Nothington, man. Because that's that was that's been one of my favorite bands for like a long time since well, all in there you in know 2007 to, when to be came out. to be
1: totally fair and clear on the nothington side of things i was i was in there for a tour i was in there for those two tours it counts for
0: me man it counts it counts
1: and to be <laughs> fair it's it's the most traveling that i've done yeah. with with the band was with Nothington yeah. over that like three month period and so we did 6 weeks in the US and Canada uh-huh. and then we did 3 weeks we had about a week or two off and then we did 3 weeks in like Germany and a couple yeah. surrounding countries from there and
0: were you worried like, oh my god were you worried like touring because the bomb pop stuff was just so rough touring um were you like oh god i'm doing it but i'm kind of worried <laughs> I was, I was worried in the sense of, I don't know these people and you
1: know, I knew Ryan, but like, I don't know these other guys. I I don't, I, we not only did I not know those other guys, but I'd never listened to nothing. I had never really spent much time like getting into that band besides like, oh, here's some CDs, learn the set. So, you know, I'm. I'm coming and blinds to this so my worry was more in the sense of this is my first real hired gun yeah. kind of experience yeah and i was too young to really have it click that it was hired gun so i'm in i'm in this impression of like i really have to make it with make it work with this so right they're they're not bummed that they added me to this band yeah um so it was less a touring thing i think i was more excited about it because they were strangers and I wasn't getting into something where I had this like preconceived notion of this is what touring with these people is like, or this is what my last experience with these people is like. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, it was, it was more exciting than anything because I was playing with a band that was from out of town and we had cool tours. Like the, the U S tour was most of, we had one half of it or maybe two thirds of it, that was a teenage bottle rocket tour. So oh, we were okay. playing main support to teenage bottle rocket wow. with uh masked intruder. Yeah. And this is when mass intruders first album had just dropped. So they, they were a brand spanking new thing on the scene as well yeah. with, um, when they were still on red scare. Yeah. So it was like, to me at the time, like I said, like I, you know, I had booked teenage bottle rocket years yeah. before. Yeah and introduced my friends back home to this band so now i gotta go and hang yeah. out travel with these dudes awesome. and so i was stoked on that and then we toured germany we were playing main support for this band the do Nots, mm-hmm. that are this massive pop punk band in germany yeah. and it was just like oh i my, my whole thing was i get to go to europe for free yeah <laughs> you know like <laughs> my my grandma had told me i'll give you this certain amount of money when you graduate high school uh-huh. for a europe trip yeah she loved to travel and she was like i think it's important yeah for you to go and travel and have this this experience to go out and do that i used that money to buy a tour van with the bomb pops <laughs> you know i yeah. like i worked it out with her i was like i know you have this intention yeah. so like can i not go on this trip and buy a van so I can tour with my band and she was like you know it took a little bit of coercing but eventually she, she gave into it so when i got to do that it was like oh cool i get a I get my europe trip in yeah. and i get to go i get to go out and be in germany around um oktoberfest and i get yeah. to go play with a band that's rad and we get to yeah. play these big shows and that's cool. so that so it was just you know kid in a candy shop I, yeah. I just had a great time and not only on that you go out to europe and you play these big shows and now all of a sudden I, i'm on a in a band that's got a writer that gets um yeah fulfilled every night and we have a driver and you know you're just going and like i said playing shows where you're playing to the very least four or five hundred people yeah. every night and Man, it was just like, awesome oh this is this is rad yeah. this is this is again another reason to want to do this so we had those two tours and like i said we we ended the that whole little run at fest and so that that ended my tenure with them and there's a there's a seven inch that's floating around out there that's uh nothing to enliven Germany that's that, that has me on there. So I had to drink myself. That's pretty cool, you know, kind of feather in my feather in my hat kind of thing with that. But that that ended my tenure with with them, and then pretty quickly after that, um, I joined up with this hardcore band out of Orange County uh, by the name of the Sparring, and played with them for you know again a, a quick tour, like a week long tour out to um, South by Southwest where we had a showcase and back oh, okay and so i did that with them for about a week or so and past that that was like my main stuff like yeah. after the bomb pops and, yeah you know from there it was it was playing in friends bands yeah. you know it was playing in things that was just like oh well you know we'll we'll keep jamming like i've got these buddies now that we still hang out we still jam here and there but we've been jamming for close to a decade now and haven't done much. Yeah. There hasn't been much going on there. And yeah. that's, that's something that's just a fun thing that I, you know, I love those dudes and love playing the music, but it's never been the main focus for any of us. We've all had other bands that have kind of taken our time. So yeah. when something else comes up, it kind of fizzles, and, yeah. but that introduced me to the guys in Castoff. off, yeah. um, Bill and Brandon and, um, and those guys um, there and Ron and, that was like the, when my other band, this band called Old News that I've been playing in, like I said, for almost a decade yeah. now, just kind of on and off, we would get our first shows with Castoff. Yeah. So we would play with Bill and we'd, we'd be in contact with Bill all the time. And yeah. they had an opportunity coming back from a tour and they hit me up and Bill and Ron sat me down and said, so we're in a place where we're kind of revamping things, but we need a new drummer and bassist. Would you be interested in coming to play drums? for us with cast off and i was just like ah sure but you know i this is something i took from music school and i think this i think it's important for people to hear because it's something that has helped me so much in my life outside of music but it has helped me in my music careers just say yes yeah i had this networking teacher that he's like you go to these social gatherings and so many times you're going to be talking and you're just going to get on one and you're going to really hit it off with somebody and they're going to say i've got this idea for this would you be interested if you're the guy that's like, no, um, send me an email, I don't yeah. know, I'll check into it, you're automatically on that list of people they're not gonna call. Right. But if you say yes and you're enthusiastic about it, most cases it's never gonna turn into anything, but yeah. the time it does, boom, there yeah. you go. And so again, yeah, sure, no problem. Let's you know, let's meet and talk about it. Let's yeah. let's see what the deal is. So jammed with them for a while and then Bill had mentioned, look, you know cast off is cool and all but i've got an idea for this album that i've been writing that's a little different and then we want to go in a different direction and that's what spawned surface report where right. i met you right. and that's how that's how you and i got to know each other yeah. spawn that whole thing, and Bill and I would spend hours in a room like that. Surface Report was the most um adv- adventurous music that I've done
0: <laughs> yeah. in a sense. Where it sounds like it's it. not
1: 4 4 stuff, yeah. it's not things that are just totally straightforward and just fast. So it was like,
0: yeah,
1: I would have to go, okay, Bill, what time signature is this in? And Bill yeah. would go, I don't know, I just wrote the song, yeah. And I'm not good with this odd time <laughs> signature thing. So I'm learning how to count four over a phrasing that doesn't technically yeah. fit into four. And I'd be, we'd go over and over and over and over and over on his part. And yeah. I'd be laying in bed later and then have finally have a click and go, that's how it's supposed to sound. Right. And you hear about like songwriters, like, and I'm sure you do it as a songwriter as well. Like you've got your voice memos going, hum, yeah. hum, hum, this is the way it's supposed to sound. I would yeah. do that for like a drum fill or a drum wow. part that I couldn't figure out. Yeah and so they that was you know they were the next like serious thing that i did yeah. was was surface report and yeah. we did that for about two and a half years pretty heavily and um you know just by just by way of things moving and changing you know we had a, we had a singer that came in about halfway through yeah. that that we hit it off with we had a bassist quit and then brandon who played in Castoff jumped in with us yeah. and that was great fun but
0: yeah it was my buddy brad Brad was playing bass exactly you know exactly you know brad yeah he was i was in a band with him in the bay years ago exactly and
1: so brad was somebody that we played with a bunch and then you know he was in la and he was going to school and he was busy and it didn't work with what we're doing here i mean driving LA and San Diego as close as they are. You look on a map and you're like, oh man, you gotta be going to those LA shows all the time or vice versa. You gotta go to those San Diego shows all the time. Like, no, it's, it's completely different worlds. We are that lazy and that like um, secluded from each other that I have friends who live in LA that I'll see once a year because it's, you know, we're not going to just make that drive every time. And it's like, it has to be this concerted effort to go and really make a trip to LA just for the sake of going to LA. So, um i get it like i didn't work out with with brad on that and yeah. it's like timing wise it just sometimes things work and sometimes things yeah, don't don't i don't fault anybody for the making those kind of choices but yeah. yeah bill ended up getting um the gig with chaser right and he started putting in a lot of focus on that and then our singer jesse um told us he was moving to the midwest yeah. and it just it, at that point it was like, well, it either kind of goes on this way or we, we kind of call it quits. Yeah. And, you know, I just, I wasn't where it was at. I wasn't super down with how we kind of made that conversation. Like it's one way or the other. So yeah. I was like, yeah, well, you know, I guess we're going to call it from here. Right. Like I mentioned, you know, the whole thing of saying yes, the whole, this, this your thing thing came up out of something like that. Yeah. Um, our singer had hit up, a this guy that's, um, a buddy that's been part of the scene that like toured with the bomb pops that was good friends with us from from that point and um he hit this guy up and was like hey do you have any musician friends like i need a bassist or a guitarist and a drummer or something like that And uh-huh. so he sends me a text and was like hey would you be down for me to give this guy tim your phone number he's got a band that he's just you know trying to get ready he's got some demos would you be interested again sure give him my phone number and we just started texting and (laughs) you know it's kind of history from there i remember him going yeah dude um we've got you know i've got a couple songs send you the demos and he goes i've got um you know i don't really have anybody else lined up i was thinking about just doing it as a three-piece but i've got steve caballero to play bass and you know of course my first thought is like yeah right sure you do whatever (laughs) and you know paid no paid no mind to it because you know, I'm a child of Southern California and watching yeah. that world come up. I mean, when I first moved to California, Tony Hawk was, was a neighbor of mine. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is before everything broke and the yeah. X Games really took off and Tony Hawk Pro Skater. And it's like, so I I, I hear Steve Capillaro's name and like, it's an instant, like, what? sure, this legend is yeah. going to come and play bass in my band. Yeah. Yeah. Big deal. Whatever. Sure enough, the first practice, Steve rolls up and I was just like, okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> tim wasn't full of it okay right. cool this is gonna be rad. right so we hit it off and we started jamming and started playing and like our first practices and stuff were in steve's house in his bedroom yeah. like on an electric drum set like just working things out yeah. and um you know let's start rolling with that and we had a, a few months off around the end of the year this this last year just due to work and things of of the such, I ended up catching COVID um, and you know, luckily didn't get sick. Yeah. But you know, it was like it kind of scared me back into yeah. the world of like, oh, I'm I'm being irresponsible by like going out right. and spending time with people yeah. who aren't my household. Yeah. So took a step back for a couple months. And it, towards the beginning part of this year, we ended up um kind of changing roles. And Steve had initially started joined the band as a bassist and yeah. made some made it known that he would be interested in playing guitar and uh-huh. so we had a dude that played in our singer's other band who played bass so I was like hey I'd love to play bass so we got him hooked up into it his mm-hmm. name's Chad and Chad
0: Skipjack guy Yep Gotcha.
1: Yep that's a singer singer for Skipjack okay. and um you know he's you know he's all in with the celebratory clothing and record oh, label right. stuff yeah. and you know that whole group of people and so he was like yeah so you know i'm pretty indifferent i'm a pretty easy easy going guy I was like would you care that we're doing this like i don't really know chad i've met him a few times through uh-huh. through like playing shows but sure i mean I, why not give it a shot yeah. if that's gonna help cool let's do it and um you know chad has known um jen and Hefe for a while yeah. just through his his whole thing and so he sent demos over to them and jen and Hefe were like yeah we want to do this let's wow. let's roll with it and you know stories from there i mean we wrote an album in two months that's crazy. and we just finished recording this <laughs> last week you know what i mean so we're just we're just the hits keep coming man yeah. the things keep rolling it's been really really cool with that one
0: and so you guys haven't even played a show no nope. so cyber tracks that's El Hefe's label they wanted to put out something. So you guys were like, okay, now we got to write some songs. Pretty
1: much. (laughs) yep.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
1: That's awesome. You know, Tim's had, Tim's had a a bank of songs and, you know, Chad had, Chad has a bunch of songs too. So at the time we were probably five songs in, you know, that we, we knew well enough to, if, if we, if we had shows happen, happen. But I mean, urethane is a product of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, it's it's really weird to be in this place of being so in, in the infantile stages of this band and having so much happen for us so quickly.
0: Yeah, I mean, how did Steve even get involved? It just is odd. I mean, is he friends? No, in fr- from the
1: understanding that I have on it, Tim basically put in his cold call. um to to everybody gotcha from what i understand steve was steve had a band that he'd been playing in for a while and they were trying to get things rolling and i think they needed a singer Mm -hmm. and so steve may have posted something on instagram yeah like hey we're looking for a singer so tim sent him demos and said hey you know i've got these songs check them out see if you'd be interested and Steve dug them I mean the yeah. demos to me too like when I heard him I was like yeah this is, I mean they're awesome. catchy they're fun yeah. songs like I, I could totally do this and Steve felt the same way and yeah so Steve brought it to his other band that he was working with and was like hey would you guys be into it and I guess this other band just wasn't really feeling Tim singing style yeah. and so they're like nah not our thing and Steve was like well I'm feeling this more than my current thing now, so I'm going to go put focus here. Yeah, and so crazy. He, he just did.
0: Such a random. And he went and put his foot So random. Completely. Yeah, like. Completely. Like, I, I remember seeing him, because uh, I follow Steve, he posted something about something, and then you posted something about something, and I'm like, what? How, how, how random is this, that these two guys that I'm following, one I'm friends with, is they're in a band together? I'm like, this is just odd to me it's it's
1: weird because you know it's like there's there's some sense of like I, I could see more things of like just joining up with other dudes yeah. from the punk rock scene yeah you know the guys that we've come up with and you know stuff like that like yeah. it would be less weird for me if dudes from the flatliners and um you know let's say like the, just that ilk of band was yeah. like hey we were thinking you know would you want to jam like the nothing tins like the sparrings yeah. that kind of stuff to me, it's like those are my peers, so yeah, yeah of course, Like right. that seems more regular, but somebody like Steve, who's a legend all on his own, who's yeah. lived a lifetime of just experience through everything he's done, is now a buddy of mine that I have his phone number yeah. in my phone, you know <laughs> what I mean, weird. that I'm almost in daily contact with, it's like I'm still pinching myself, it's yeah. really, it's it's a super cool thing to do. and.
0: He's yeah. a cool dude. It's yeah.
1: it makes it even better that he's such a cool dude and he's such a, a humble person that you don't feel like you're you don't feel like he's doing you a favor. Yeah. But I feel right. like people and at his level could really easily make it like, well, I'm doing you a favor, right. so Absolutely. you're gonna kinda roll with my way. Like Steve's just hundred yeah. percent in it. Just like the rest of the guys yeah. are, and if his name wasn't Steve Caballero, he'd be doing exactly right. the same stuff with us as he's yeah. doing now, which is super cool.
0: Yeah. So when you guys were talking about recording and stuff, how I mean, were you involved in any of that, or was it just like you're just the drummer and you're just this is this is where we're recording, et cetera, et cetera? Um,
1: our record label, Cyber Tracks hit the ground running with okay. us. And, um, you know, it was like, okay, cool. So <laughs> I remember the first talk, they're like, you got like 20 or so songs like ready to go. Right. And it was like, yeah,
2: yeah. We just got a, <laughs> you know, yeah.
1: iron amount So right. they they were ready to rock. You know, if we yeah. told them we wanted to record that weekend, they probably would have made it happen. But, um, we, we took two months to finish writing what we had and they hit the ground running. They had a couple producers in mind mm-hmm. and had, had a few people like hey you know we, we could probably get this this working and i think to our benefit the people who we initially had in mind just didn't work out yeah uh, you know timing wise didn't work out yeah. like what these these producers were asking for from from us just wasn't wasn't advantageous for us at the time so yeah. you know we had gone back to the drawing board and cameron webb's name came up yeah. and Jen put in a call to Cameron and Cameron was down. And so it just kind of rolled from there. And it's like, I'm not, I, I've never been much for somebody looking into, oh, producer this and yeah. producer that. And right. who, where did they record and what did they do? You know, Jerry yeah. Finn was like the big name for me because obviously growing up listening to Blink and listening to bands yeah. and stuff like that, that was the producer name that, I've, that I could have told you about. The rest of my, you know, who who who? Who did what? Yeah, right. And so Cameron's name came up and started looking into, you know, his his whole just basic basically his discography, everything he's done. Yeah. And it was like for me, it was career spanning and my love for music. Yep. The guy worked on significant other the Limp Bizkit album mm-hmm. and Sound System by 311, mm-hmm. and I played those albums into the dirt. Yeah, he worked on Tenacious D's first album, right. another album I played into the dirt, yep. and then in the more recent stuff, he did Pennywise's last album. Yeah, he did Bayside's last album. He did Alkaline Trio's last album, and for me, a lot of those bands like you know i learned how to play punk because of pennywise but fell off because just kind of in in growth it wasn't something that clicked as well and yeah same thing with alkaline trio was super into it alkaline trio was like the band for me when i was in junior high and high school and those albums that cameron did were the albums that like brought me back to really liking those bands again yeah and it's like oh cool so you know even just having that guy behind us Knowing yeah. that he did that for those bands, at right. least for me and my personal taste, mm-hmm. was huge for me. And yeah, so the, their talk about recording was more along the lines of who are we going to work with as a producer? Yeah. And not so much of where are we going to go to record. I and mean, right. once we ironed out the Cameron Webb piece of it, we just, you know, again, hit the ground running and just really kind of put the work in there. And yeah. we in contact with Cameron pretty much from that point on. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that was also random for me too cuz uh we talked about this before but I was trying to book somewhere for my band to record and we're like, yeah, let's spend some money so I booked Paul Miner but in the meantime I told the guys I'm like, I want to record with Cameron Webb. But I know he's going to be outrageous and then, you know, a week later I see, you know, you're recording with him. I'm like, what the hell? Dude, this is some cosmic weird shit going on right now? <laughs> well, and, you know, you to to your points on that. Um, I
1: had played in uh, a band, like again, doing the hired gun thing with uh-huh. this this local band um, by the name of um, Sick Waiting
2: yeah.
1: and did some stuff. And, right. and I've known Jared from Sick Waiting for for quite a long time. And, you know, so we, we really randomly keep in touch. Yeah. You know, it's the random Instagram message or a text message every six months to a year like, hey, man, yeah. I miss you. Hope you're doing right. okay. And, right. We we're texting back and forth and he goes, Oh yeah, you know, we're going into the studio to record. And it's like, Oh, where are you going to record? It's like, Oh, we're gonna do Maple Sound Studios with Cameron Webb. Yeah. And I was just like, No way. Yeah. <laughs> like just like you said, like small world. It's like, Well, yeah. I'm going in at the beginning of April. Wow. So it was like sick waiting happened, and yeah. then your thing jumped in right after it. And yeah. so that's so Yeah, cool. super small world.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. So how did that how was the recording experience? i mean are you guys um, done
1: yeah we're, we're done um they you know i'm the drummer yeah. <laughs> i talked about the uh, bl- the blink 182 like ureth um urethra um chronicle stuff yeah. and i always remember travis doing his thing going yeah you know i'm usually there for a couple days doing the drums <laughs> right. and then i'll pop into the studio here and there and yeah that's always been my experience recording is like i knock it out in like two to three days and then i basically don't go back you yeah. know what i mean and right so same thing here. Um the first day we had spent kind of rehearsing and and kind of ironing out arrangements and ironing out everything that we were gonna do and then two just major long days, man uh like eight hour days eight nine hour days of just jamming yeah. getting getting my stuff done and it was i the the word that to me it, it's it's humbling yeah you know there's there's something in recording where you're just paying an engineer, yeah to press record and you're you're going to a studio that you know could be cool in the sense of who's recorded there but you're just going to work and do your recording versus going to work with a legitimate pro right and to record with somebody who's who's at, at the end of the day he's got the band's best interest yeah. at, at at heart just to make it sound as good as possible and yeah what a night and day difference yeah. you know it's the kind of things like you go in and we would record with this guy in San Diego that loves to quantize and sample drums. Right. So if you don't play your part really well, he can go in and go and sample a kick drum from where it sounded great and go and edit that part in every time. So you've got consistent sound. Yeah. Cameron's not that guy. It's not that Cameron wouldn't do that for you if, if that's how you wanted to go, but Cameron knows how to get the best out of the people he's working with. Yeah. So it was, Brutal, and I, it was brutal in the best way possible yeah. because it not only showed me like, hey, I thought I was a lot better at this than I am. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like I could I could take my years of experience into this, but going in with him was was really eye opening. It's like, this is why when I've finished recordings in the past, I haven't ever been satisfied. Yeah, it's been like, oh, here, this is kind of cool, but right. I've never felt so good about a recording as I do this this one. Oh, that's cool. And, you know, it's the kind of thing with. You know, it's like, okay, so you're playing this fast punk beat, that no effectsy, kind of like bad religion kind of fast punk beat. Yeah. Your kick drums need to be consistent on every single hit. Yeah. If you're going to do a double hit here, both of those hits need to have the same intensity. You right. can't have one where the first one's a little quiet and the second one gets, gets the kick because that's when you're jam- burying that beater in the head. Yep. It's like, all right, let's play that again. Yep. Or, hey, I can hear that you're not hitting the center of the snare drum in here. I need you that's to go crazy. back and let's let's take that part again to make sure we've got consistent hits. And yeah. it's like, you play these tracks that we get straight from the board, and it's like, oh my God, this stuff sounds phenomenal. I, if we released what we had just now, it would sound fine. And it's yeah. like, cool, we still get to mix and master this stuff, and yeah. it's only gonna get better from here. So, yeah. um, that's cool. I can't say enough good things about Cameron. Yeah. That guy is caring beyond belief. Yeah. Um, he's extremely smart. He's got a great ear for things and he's fun. It's, it, you know, it's it, going in to work with him is not a, is not a chore. It's, it's like a treat to go in and work with him right. because not only do you get these get this like pro level experience with him but you get these rad stories right. you know just hearing his experiences with these bands and yeah. hearing his experiences in these albums That's that cool. you grew up listening to it's like oh cool this yeah. is the coolest thing i've ever heard yeah you're living i'm, it. I'm a huge tenacious d fan yeah, and seeing tenacious d memorabilia next yeah. to his kelly clarkson grammy <laughs> is like that's, that's the kind insane. of world that that guy lives in that's, that's all crazy. encompassing with it that's so
0: cool so what is next for urethane? when is the do you know when the album's going to be released no no we, we don't
1: have a set date right oh, now no. um yeah i would i would say hopefully by the end of the year yeah you know if we uh the biggest thing we've got on the plate right now is uh punk rock bowling right that's we're cool. on that saturday date and yeah. so that'll be a lot of fun but yeah. right now you know with We've been in a whirlwind, man. Things have been flying since the beginning of the year. So now we need to catch up a little bit and really iron out what our live set's gonna be and get totally set on that. And you know, as the world opens up right now, I could I hope we get a little bit of uh showtime to kind of get our feet wet before we go and jump into punk rock bowling. But right now we've got punk rock bowling. That's the next thing up in September (laughs) and, and just kind of getting ready to go then. That's cool.
0: Well, I uh, I remember seeing you with Castoff and then Surface Report, and I ha- ha told you this, that you're the hardest-hitting drummer that I've ever seen, and I was always jealous of whoever you were in a band with, because I was like, ah, I want that drummer, dude. I love it. Thanks, man. <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story, you know. it's
1: um, We were on our last practice before we went into the studio, and I'm playing and I hear my cymbal making a weird noise. And of course I cracked it. Yeah. So it's like, all right, great. So yeah. let's go up go and buy another symbol. Go and do our whole thing yeah. and um we, we do we have a rehearsal day before we start recording and we're on like our last song on that rehearsal day yeah. and I'm playing my other crash symbol that wasn't cracked. Yeah something sounds weird sure enough i cracked that one Jeez, <laughs> like on crazy. the fly had, had oh to end up borrowing God. something from a buddy of mine um who luckily lived right in the area of the studio so yeah. it was like you know 10 minute drive on surface streets but oh, it's wow. like oh yeah so you know <laughs> I, t- I came out of that session and was like i need to go back to taking lessons yeah it's time for me to really start focusing on on what i do here because obviously there's some there's some Places to improve yeah. in this world, but yeah. I've always—it's always been hard, man. I used to play the biggest sticks I could and would crack cymbals like crazy and still and still break my big rock sticks and wow. stuff like that. So I, you know, there's there's some it's it's cool and it, it's cool at live, but yeah. I'm breaking my stuff too yeah. much. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's nuts. Well, I appreciate you talking to me, man. I uh, always enjoy our conversations and. uh I, uh, I miss the days you were jamming with Bill and Brad, just cause I'm so close to those guys. And I, you know, it's kind of out of the blue that I'm like, Hey Dylan, what's up? Remember me? But I'm glad that we, we can talk and, and BS still, man. I,
1: I, you and I as well, you know, i share that same sentiment with, with, with Bill and, you know, it's like, it's great to see Bill's, um, success yeah. with, with, um, with Chaser yeah. and but yeah man I, I feel the same way it's yeah. it's i can't wait to be able to have a, a double down show again
2: yeah no kidding. And, you know
1: <laughs> hang out in a parking lot all night yeah. like i miss that stuff like crazy yeah, me like too, like man. crazy like yeah it's uh at this point it's like having that punk rock bowling show booked yeah just kind of lit, lit the fire again it's like oh this is so close now it's yeah. in the, it's in the future and yeah I'm chomping at the bit. I can't wait to make it happen. Again. I, I can't wait to see you out in Vegas and yeah. <laughs> be able to hang out again.
0: Yeah. I just booked with, with Paul minor, the end of June for recording. And then we booked a show July 10th and I'm like, all right, dude, I think, I think things are going to happen. So I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. It's, it's gonna, it's gonna be That's good. It, you know,
1: and, everybody's just you know everybody be smart yeah if you're into the vaccine then go get your vaccine yep. <laughs> let's let's all let's all get back to this and let's all be able to uh i want to be able to give my friends hugs again yeah that's man. that's something that's crazy
0: There you have it. Dylan, great interview. One of the coolest dudes in punk rock that I have met over the years. Uh, what a great guy. thing such a great band. His other bands, great too. Can't wait to see him again. Jealous of all the shows he's been playing with these awesome bands that I love. But you know what? He worked hard. Deserves it. Uh, originally aired on, what, March? January, February, March, April, May. May 8th. 2021 and uh go to justpunkenough.com check out the rest Dylan you rule thanks for that talk man see ya